Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with the latest WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back for the second time in 2022 with a WWE show for your ear holes. We have, of course, the WWE Day 1 Instant Analysis Results Grades podcast already sitting in our archives for you to listen to, either if you did not happen to see that pay-per-view or if you just want to make sure you hear our thoughts about WWE Day 1 before hearing us talk about WWE on this episode, where we are focusing on Raw, the main event scene, and what is going to go down at the Royal Rumble and possibly WrestleMania as a whole. So be sure to go back, listen to that WWE Day 1 instant analysis if you have not yet. But if you have, then welcome to today's show. We are excited to kind of wrap everything up when it comes to WWE from Day 1 into Uh, Raw, obviously, with Brock Lesnar winning the WWE Championship. There was a lot of unexpectedness at the pay-per-view and on TV Monday night. So we have a ton to get to on today's show. We do have a solid week for you, of course, because in addition to today's WWE show, on Thursday, we're going to be talking the very first AEW Dynamite on TBS, along with the second half of AEW New Year's Smash, plus NXT New Year's Evil, which is shaping up to be another fantastic special event NXT card. So should be an awesome week here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Before we fully get into today's show, I got to remind you, of course, that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast is all about defiance. So please, folks, stop being marks for yourselves and Go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Vintage Chris Vanini, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and please leave us those five-star ratings. I will tell you, I only had to ask a couple times. We hit our goal of 100 five-star ratings on Spotify, so we're showing up. The rating, it's 5.0. I love you guys for doing that. Thank you so much. Of course, if you listen to us on Spotify and you have not rated the show please hit that five-star button. And as always, please leave a five-star rating and review for us on Apple Podcasts because what we do here is when we get those five-star ratings and reviews, I go ahead and read them on the show. I promised that I would do that and I'm gonna do it here as well. So we had a couple more come in over the last week. I'm stalling a little bit to try to get to them on my app. Here we go. Uh, MM6381 says, top tier podcast, longtime listener, love the banter between Adam and Chris. Putting out multiple episodes a week has to be time consuming, but I appreciate it. Time, all the time and effort, sorry, uh, taken to get these podcasts out, especially the detailed recaps Adam puts together each episode. Great content week after week. We also got from Z Karen 26, acknowledge getting over. I think it's time that we all take a moment and acknowledge the work these guys put in on a weekly basis, multiple shows with excellent insight and analysis. Hey now. So, yes, thank you guys for those awesome comments and for everyone who leaves the five-star ratings without reviews. We appreciate you as well. So Chris, I'm going to take a breath here. Welcome to the show. Uh, We have a lot to talk about somehow on this episode, despite the fact that we're only really covering one program. Uh, SmackDown was a non-existent top 10 show, so there was no extraneous content there. But good, bad, and ugly, I do feel like Raw gave us plenty to discuss today. 
Yeah, it, it, it kind of feels like one of those, not new eras, but, but a start of something new. When Brock Lesnar moves from SmackDown to Raw to take the championship, although he says he'll be at SmackDown, um, the main event picture was shaken up in a big way at day one, and that was obviously the emphasis of Raw. And SmackDown last week being a clip show, uh, I, I get why, you know, New Year's Eve and FS1 and all that stuff, but uh, uh, still still sometimes surprising because, I mean, we've seen WWE put on shows through snowstorms and everything else, but uh, uh, it made it easier for me. I didn't have to catch up on it. Yeah, well, basically, Fox told WWE, we're doing our regular New Year's programming, so we're going to move yeah. you to FS1. And WWE said, well, if you're moving, to F- moving us to FS1, we're not giving you a live show. And yeah, and you and I were happen. you and I were both at playoff games, college football playoff. It was fine, game, yeah, fine for on me. New Year's Eve, so it yeah. made it easier that we we were going to miss it anyway. Yeah, I actually ended up watching it. Um, the top ten breakdown. It, it's was like top ten moments of the year. Now the order was all out of whack because it's WWE. It's top ten to them, not actual top ten, right? But the moments they chose mostly were really good, and the show was actually I gotta say decently entertaining because it was Michael Cole. Pat McAfee and Becky Lynch all like conversing and poking each other and making jokes. And the obviously McAfee and Lynch together, like that's gold, right? Uh, and Cole played the straight man the whole time. So it was actually a really entertaining top 10 countdown show. If you have it on your DVR, I would just suggest like, hey, if you're cleaning the house or cooking dinner, throw it on in the background. It was a worthwhile watch slash listen. And I got to say, man, there were... Like you, you think about we do this show and we criticize WWE so much and they deserve it, uh, both for reality reasons, like real life releasing 79 wrestlers in a given year, um, many of the other decisions that, that they make, but also from a kayfabe standpoint, the way they book and and how aggravated we get with that uh, match times and, and storylines and, you know, lack of continuity, yeah. things like that. But when you really only boil it down, if you were somehow able to distill only the best out of WWE in a given year, they still do give us plenty of awesomeness in -hmm. a given year. The problem is it's five hours of programming a week and you generally only get like, I don't know, one hour of awesomeness out of that five if you were to break it down. That's that's the tough part with watching. And I think I think that's that's kind of the review of Raw for this last episode. It is. There's good stuff on there. There's just a lot of times a lot of bad stuff. And then when you have a three hour show, it's bound to happen. I would say there was an hour of a good wrestling television show on Monday night and two hours. I would say there was an hour. You know what? I hate to kind of do it this way. There was an hour of a good wrestling television show. There was an hour of a bad wrestling television show. And there was an hour of an ugly wrestling television show. Yeah, it's true. It was just what it was. It was all three categories last night and pretty, pretty evenly done as far as I'm concerned. And the good is why we keep coming back. The good is why we come back. It's why we do this show. Uh, Before we get into the main event, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the mailbag, as I promised, we have a WWE mailbag for you at the end of today's show. The one news story that has kind of escaped us just due to show timing and pay-per-views and everything is that Tony Storm is no longer with WWE. Uh, She requested her release, apparently after a house show in which she competed in a triple threat title match with Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks. And she was granted the release immediately by WWE. I think both things are complete surprises to me. This coming out of a week where she had a SmackDown Women's Championship match against Charlotte Flair 
on a Christmas episode of SmackDown, which they hold in in high regard, and it was actually a pretty decent episode of television. And it also comes at the tail end of like a two-year period for her, though, where since moving over from NXT UK, she has just not been used well. She went to NXT, lost a ton of matches, was forgotten about, not used on television. She gets over to SmackDown, is not used at all. Then they finally bring her in. They actually give her a title feud, and it's based around pies in the face. But we did get to see her on TV, and we were hopeful that we would see more from her. And there's no real concrete information out there right now. The one tidbit, I guess, is that on the house show in question, which I believe was in Baltimore, Maryland, something like that, she was called 8 a.m. the day of the show and asked to appear, even though she was not previously scheduled. And I presume that that was like a quote unquote last straw scenario for her where she was frustrated for X, Y, and Z reasons, and that maybe put it over the top. She did her job and then flew herself home and said, I'm done here. And I would definitely say it's it's true, and it has always been true, that WWE is not for everyone. But this past week and the last two weeks in WWE, they've been dealing with a COVID outbreak, right? Not, not, not an outbreak with specifically within wrestlers, but a lot of wrestlers who had COVID and were not available for shows. So, I mean, Edge made a completely unplanned appearance to go to Madison Square Garden and be in a cage match with Kevin Owens. I think he was like about to board a plane and like took another one and went to MSG and and did the match. So it's not that random for something like that to happen. Is it annoying personally? Yes, I'd be very angry if on a day I was supposed to be off, my company said you need to board a flight. They called me at 8 a.m., told me I needed to board a flight and go fly somewhere and wrestle a match. But it seems like a pretty thin reason on its own or even as a something that took, takes you over the edge to request a release for a company. So I'm of the standpoint where, like, first of all, I cannot believe it didn't work out for Tony Storm in WWE. She seems like the prototypical woman they would want to push. She's gorgeous, obviously, incredibly good wrestling. She's a solid promo. Uh, you know, she has she's the total package. And she has a gimmick that even though it was kind of bastardized a little bit, wasn't that bad. There was really nothing wrong with it. So I am floored at this. And I'm really now sitting in a position where I'm like, well, if Tony Storm's just going to walk away and they're just going to let talent like her leave and not even say, hey, why don't you take two weeks off and calm down and we want to bring you back? It feels like almost anyone is up for grabs at this point, with the exception of like, like six women and 10 men. It seems like anyone else on the roster, they just don't care about. Yeah, there, there's a few different dynamics there. I mean, I mean, first, she was getting pushed. She was in a women's championship match. She was in the women's championship feud. She was finally getting on TV. And all of that is good. But she didn't have, like, any character. Mm-hmm. They basically stripped away everything that made her unique. The hats, the glasses, the jackets, all this kind of stuff. And you wonder if just kind of artistically someone is unhappy with how they're being presented. That could be one factor. We don't know. Another factor could be she is engaged to Juice Robinson, who is in NJPW and Impact, and maybe she wants to be able to spend time with him, which is which brings me to why WWE let her go. They have let they have let a lot of wrestlers go, but People asking for their releases is a bit different. And if they really, really valued somebody, they'd keep her. 
and this is just me speculating, wondering if she was like, hey, I'm not going to AEW. I'm going to Japan or something like that, you know, to, to be with Juice or something like that. I don't know. We don't know all the details on it, but it's certainly a unique situation. And, and again, different than all the cuts we've had and really just a loss for WWE that mm-hmm. they that they couldn't make it work, that they couldn't have her in a position where she wants to stay and then letting her go. Yeah, just they really dropped the ball on someone who was really cool and unique and just they couldn't quite figure it out when she got over to the to the States. It just it seems like they were I don't want to say they were turning the corner because it's putting the cart before the horse. It's saying like, oh, well, you know, give it time and it'll work out. That's not always the even even when we want to say that or we hope that happens, it doesn't always happen. And frequently it does not happen. But it did seem like given the finish of that match that she was going to stay in the title picture. They were obviously moving on from the corniness, the way it began, which was holiday adjacent um, with Thanksgiving, I think, is when that began. And it really seemed like they were telling a story where Charlotte is was scared of Tony Storm and felt like she needed to cheat to beat her. Um, and that they were going to go kind of in that direction and that they saw her as maybe not a pillar of the women's division, but someone who could legitimately be part of the title picture. And then for her to just up and leave. Right in that moment, it was like, wow, well, damn, okay, let's take a step back. Another, It's another hit, right? It's another, I don't know if it's an unforced error, like I've called so many of their other ones, but it certainly feels like one. And man, you think about all the talent that was released or requested their release. She would be the 80th, even even though I think it happened before 2022. So she would be the 80th, actually. I was saying 79. She's number 80. And you just... You look at that 80, and I've said it so many times on this podcast. I don't want anyone to lose their job, but there's probably 35 or 40 people on that list, not naming names, where you could just say, I get it. Like they had too many people on the roster. These people weren't going to get used. They probably didn't see much of a future in them, whatever. Then there's another 20 where you could say, well, you know, they were valuable pieces, but okay, if they're trying to cut costs, I get that too. But then there are like 20 individuals that are just absolute shockers, like stunners where you're like, I cannot believe they released them. And some may have requested, some didn't. But the Tony Storms, the Keith Lees, the Swerves, like it's just absolute uh, Alistair Black, uh, Andrade, even though he requested his release, where you look at them and you're like, what are you doing? How can you not figure out how to use this talent? And it is. So incredibly frustrating because now when we're entering WrestleMania season and more than that, entering Royal Rumble season, you look at the rosters on the main roster and you say, who the hell is going to be in these Royal Rumble matches? Mm -hmm. They announced six Royal Rumble entrants, uh, sorry, five Royal Rumble entrants on Raw. It's four tag team members, the two Street Profits, the two Mysterios and the Mysterios, you could say, okay, they operate as singles enough where, or they did previously, it makes sense. But the Street Profits and Austin Theory. And you're like, okay, I guess, yeah, you do kind of need to fill the Royal Rumble out. There's one more too. Well, Johnny Knoxville, right. And one weird entrant like that is fine. Yeah. But you look at that and now you're like, okay, six of the 30 members of the Royal Rumble have been announced and none of them have any chance to win. And you just say, man, what would the Royal Rumble look like with Swerve and Keith Lee and hell, Karrion Cross, Jeff Hardy isn't there anymore. Guys that, you know, they just brought up are no longer there. 
the women, there's, we're going to talk about it later. I think there's like 21 women on the main roster total. The Rumble match is 30. Now they've always used a lot of NXT women, but they've released so many women off of both brands uh, that you're just like, why would you do that when you need women, when you have a tag team division that is not filled? Tag teams don't exist. There's two tag teams, women, in the entire company, and they're feuding for the titles right now. None others have been established at this point. So I, I just look at the whole picture, and I'm like, man, what are they doing with this roster? It the, Tony Storm is really just a, an entree, entry, sorry, into kind of talking about this. I, I look at it's so depleted where we're going to, in a moment, talk about like the SmackDown men's singles division. There's no one in it right now. Everyone's out. It's wild, Chris. Yeah, and in the Rumble is that moment to show off that depth or lack of depth. And 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 for a while, you could say the roster was bloated for a while, but it was all yeah. the cut. All the cuts have gone from bloated to normal size to how are they going to fill five hours of wrestling every week? Right. <laughs> it's it's one thing to trim from bloated yeah. to normal. Now it's normal to marginal, where you're like. How are you operating two brands with this few talent? It's it's and by the way, that's not counting non-planned losses of Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. Now Cole was in you know the last two there were in NXT, but Cole easily could have been moved up. Johnny Gargano yeah. easily yep. could have been moved up, wasn't. So not, not only are you losing talent because you're releasing them and they're requesting releases and you're granting them, but people are letting their contracts expire and leaving. And we still, by the way, have no idea on the Jeff Hardy story. And I don't know if we're ever going to get it. That's a whole weird situation, too. So, you know, we thought Jeff Hardy may have been built up to be a challenger for Roman Reigns for the Royal Rumble for the title match. Gone. It's it's just absolutely wild. Look, we have a lot of show left. Took a lot of time talking about this, a lot more than I thought. Let's move forward here, Chris, into the way we always start these WWE shows by sliding into... The main event. So Raw opened with Pyro uh, for New Year's. Then the lights went out for like 20 seconds and Paul Heyman appeared as an advocate introducing the new WWE champion, Brock Lesnar. He grabbed some steel steps, threw them in the ring, climbed them like a podium and stood on top of them. He ranted on Roman Reigns, told South Carolina to acknowledge him with a smile and thanked Heyman for ensuring he was a free agent, and then also getting him the WWE title match at day one. Heyman then grabbed the mic. He put over Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens for working as a team, then threw some pot shots at them, also saying Reigns is vulnerable without Heyman by his side. Heyman said Reigns got COVID-19 without his protection. Like as soon as he fired him, he got it. And while Reigns will get over Rona, karma is a bitch. Heyman put over Bobby Lashley for his two spears and hurt lock on Lesnar but said they were all blindside moves and Lesnar uh, basically was everything Lashley wanted to be. Heyman then put over Biggie huge as the favorite in the fatal four-way number one contendership match that was set for the end of the show. He called them a great champion, a credit to WWE, who would still be champion if Lesnar was not in that match. He also said it was an honor for that. It would be an honor for a Biggie-Lesnar match to happen, but E eventually, of course, would lose. And I was mixed on kind of this entire thing. The opening and the blackout, Chris, with Heyman appearing, it felt really old school attitude era, like 
just a surprise to start the show, something to pop the fans. I really liked that. Lesnar, the way he entered the ring, throwing the steps, all that popped me. The best thing about this entire segment was how Heyman put over Big E. Textbook move, singing a guy's praises without tearing him down at all. We know Heyman is the best in the biz on the mic, but I also struggled to get a handle on what Lesnar's designation is here. Is he a face? Is he a heel? Exactly, it, exactly. it felt like a tweener, which is a shame because he's been so great as a face. But the way Heyman was talking, you're like, man, this guy's a heel. But but Lesnar seemed to be smiling the whole time and he obviously kept his new look, which was good. So it kind of made me think maybe it's a situation where Paul Heyman by his side is being a little heelish, but Lesnar is trying to maintain the, the character that he's at. And if they make a change and Heyman screws him, then Lesnar falls right back into that face role. I'm not exactly sure what they're doing, but while I liked the opening segment, I was a little bit confused about the direction they were going. Yeah, this was exactly what I don't want out of Brock as the champion. Um, you know, good on Heyman for putting Biggie over and everything, but we'll get into how Biggie was presented later. This was a heel promo from Eamon, and I think the crowd was conditioned to kind of not cheer it because that's what we've gotten for literally years and years and years. Brock on SmackDown without Heyman talking on his own has been really entertaining, and that's what's gotten people behind him. And he did some of that here. Even though when he said acknowledge me, he kind of got a smattering of booze um, because I think just him next to Heyman is a heel thing. So I think it was a little people didn't know how to feel. And yeah, that was a complete heel promo from Paul Heyman. So I'm a little concerned about it going forward because I really liked and have liked what Brock is doing. But if we put him back, oh, he's champion and Paul Heyman does 90 percent of the talking. That's that's what I didn't like. I I didn't want any more of that. So I'm a little concerned. See, I don't know that it was completely a heel promo. Like the way he talked about Big E was so praiseworthy. And it seemed to me like it was a tweener promo from Heyman because you have to remember all the stuff he said against Reigns. Reigns is a heel. So he's allowed to shit talk a heel. It, 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 everything about the whole thing, Lesnar, Heyman, both of them, it felt tweener. It felt like on one hand, they were on yeah. the baby face side. On one hand, they were on the heel side. And I was really surprised when Lesnar winked and said, acknowledge me and smiled. I thought he was going to get cheers for that. If I was there, I would have cheered him. That's yeah, me too. Instead, he got booed for it. And I I don't know. uh, Maybe they expected a different different reaction than they got. The fans, the the South Carolina crowd was, they stood for a lot of stuff and they paid attention all show, but they were not loud. They didn't cheer well. So it wasn't a great crowd. So maybe that all was kind of part of it. But more than anything else, this opening kind of promo and we'll talk about it more as we go down and we, and we break this through. It got me worried about future booking because by calling out Reigns off the jump and proclaiming himself the real champion, and then at the end of the show, basically ignoring the new number one contender and calling out Reigns again, it just concerns me that all they're going to do is literally take the easiest, worst way out and do title versus title at WrestleMania and just forget everything else. Now, I don't think they're going to do that because they have a two-night show. And maybe they do a scenario where like both guys put the titles on the line in night one 
And then they do a title versus title match on night two with the winners. And then Lesnar and Reigns happen to win. So we get Lesnar and Reigns on night two. Like there's a lot of different ways they can do it. So I'm concerned that they don't realize at this point they made this change and they need to do one of two things. These are the two answers. Number one, you take the WWE title off Lesnar. You continue the program you were going to do with Reigns. Number two, you keep the titles on Reigns and Lesnar and you create two new challengers for both titles on each show. Biggie, Rollins, Styles, Owens, whoever the hell, you, Drew McIntyre, whoever the hell you want. And you have two really exciting matches separately. If it's all a ruse and Heyman ends up costing Lesnar the title as soon as the Royal Rumble, then I think this promo and this storyline got the job done. But if we end up title versus title at WrestleMania, that is not going to be a good decision. No. And this is why you have always said for a long time that Brock doesn't need to be champion. Correct. Because when they do, they fall back into certain things and they they retcon everything and try to rechange everything on the back end to try to make it fit. And that's what I'm concerned about happening here. So some good from Brock. I wasn't thrilled about Heyman. I'm really interested to see what Brock on SmackDown is going to be. You know, as much as we're concerned about the future, I want to say I'm intrigued right now and I'm looking forward to SmackDown. So so there's that, too. I'm intrigued by the present, worried about the future. That's, yes, I think, completely fair. So the second half of this was everyone else, which they all shoved into very quick segments. MVP was furious backstage at Lashley being given such a huge hill to climb. He stormed off. Lashley stood stone-faced, looked in the camera. He said, Lesnar fears me. KO convinced Rollins to return to their plan of teaming up with the loser helping the winner take the WWE title at the Royal Rumble. Big E said the WWE title reign that he had, it meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to others. He said, there's no shame in losing to Lesnar, but you got to get back up and keep going for it. Then he got insanely passionate, saying his new path started tonight and there's not a soul on earth who could stop him. All of this worked great from all four guys, but Biggie absolutely stole my attention. And you could say, quote unquote, stole the show out of these three different promo segments. It also, you know, I don't want to sound dumb here a couple months from now. It gave me a lot of optimism that maybe based on that promo and the way Paul Heyman spoke about him, maybe he actually will be in a Mania title match. And maybe even he's going to be the winner of the Royal Rumble. I am way more optimistic about him from what I saw Monday night than what I saw Saturday night at day one where he lost the title and ate the fall at the end of the match. That is exactly the type of promo you give a guy that you're sticking with, not someone that you're giving up on. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. There, there, there's good and bad in it, and I'm trying to work through myself to figure out if it's a sign of the future or a make good for Saturday. And that is Paul Heyman puts him over and Biggie gets his promo, but his promo doesn't come till more than two hours into the show. We didn't see Biggie for more than two thirds of the show. And that's my issue. And we'll get into the main event, what happens, but Paul Heyman said Biggie would have won if not for Brock. Well, that's clearly not true because they did the match and Biggie didn't win. So it's it. I, that's why I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. They clearly still like him. And, and hopefully I just hope that wasn't a response to maybe the backlash they're getting over it. So we'll have to kind of wait and see the next couple of weeks what Biggie does. But it's clearly not a we're brushing him to the side type of thing. 
Yeah. What I saw was a guy who they said he is still like in their designation, a main eventer. Yes. That that's what I took away from that is what I'm trying to say. All right. So then we got to the main event of the show. Biggie versus Rollins versus Owens versus Lashley in a fatal four way match to determine the number one contender for Brock Lesnar's WWE title. The match that was supposed to be the main event of day one. So this started with 20 minutes left. KO dodged Lashley, who ran through the barricade himself. KO helped Rollins do a shield-style powerbomb on E through an announce table. E chased Owens, and Lashley chased Rollins through the crowd onto the concourse. And Chris, I've said it two weeks in a row on the AEW shows. I am absolutely dumbfounded that both companies now are sending their wrestlers into the crowd while Omicron is raging. I don't understand. Have them go up the ramp and backstage. Don't have them go into the crowd, into the concourse, back through the crowd. Am I crazy here? Like they did not do this. You know, they came back to fans in July. They have stayed away from fans all the way from July until now, with the exception of that one Roman Reigns spot. I forgot who the uh, the Finn Balor Roman Reigns spot where they went to like the um, pre-show table and Reigns put a mask on and then they came back. Outside of that, they've completely stayed out of the crowd. But now that COVID is like the most infectious it's ever been, they're going through the crowd willy-nilly. I don't get this. Yeah. I I, I don't understand. I mean, it makes zero sense. What are you doing? You are literally having wrestlers come down with COVID. Just, you do not need to do this at all. Just stop it. It was in a normal time, you know? It was a cool idea. They, them chasing them up two different aisles, fighting on the concourse, going to commercial break. The You know, if COVID was not happening... I would have praised it. I thought it was really cool that they did it. But you have to use the context here. On the show, they mentioned COVID for like the second time ever. WWE hasn't said it on TV. In the very first segment, Paul Heyman is talking about Roman Reigns, your number one star, who missed the pay-per-view main event because he had COVID. That was They made it into a little bit of a storyline. And they and put it in the video package. And they put it in the video package. And now here you are in the main event, sending your four main eventers other than Lesnar into the crowd. Stop. Dumbfounded. Totally dumbfounded. Anyway, Owens hit Lashley with a trash can lid. So E. Uranagied him into a merchandise table. KO did an insane senton off of Vom onto all three guys below. Got the massive pop, biggest pop of the entire night, deservingly so. Then KO did a senton onto E, followed by a frog splash from Rollins for a near fall. They looked at E like he was an absolute like monster for not losing in that moment. Rollins then helped Owens hit a pop-up powerbomb on E for a near fall, and neither tried to break the other's cover, which was super strange, I thought, in the moment. Lashley finally came back in, cleared the house, speared KO, and got the win. Backstage, Lesnar was asked if he had a response. He said he would see Reigns at SmackDown. It would have been nice for him to actually respond, I thought, to Lashley winning or the match he had just seen. That was very weird. I would call this whole thing good but not great. It was definitely by far the best wrestling on the show. KO sent on, like I said, was the moment of the match, moment of the show. I'd say something like 3.5 stars and a B, maybe 3.75 and a B plus if you want. But too much of it was away from the crowd. The commercials, there were like three of them. They kept taking away. Every time an exciting moment happened, we went to commercial. We didn't get to enjoy it. The idea of Rollins and Owens not breaking each other's falls, it was just dumb. I don't care if they're working together. They're both trying to win the WWE Championship why they would just let each other pin and celebrate for each other didn't make any sense. Lashley was the obvious winner. Lesnar-Lashley is a dream match. 
it happening at Royal Rumble and E not factoring into the finish, which is what should have happened at day one, gives me more hope for what I was saying before. The main event storyline of Raw, top to bottom, I had problems with it. It was executed well. The rest of the show was really the pits. But ultimately, we are getting Lesnar, Lashley, dream match that we thought would never happen, that people reported, Dave Meltzer reported, that it would never happen because WWE didn't want to do it. And here we are getting it in the main event of a top two or three pay-per-view of the year. Ultimately, that is a really damn good thing. Look, we said on Saturday that we already had the meatiest moment of 2022, and that was the day one Lesnar or Lashley spring Lesnar through the barricade. We may have another contender already. We're getting an entire match of Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. There's a lot of beef out there. There is. That is for sure. I'm excited about that. Uh, I, I, I like what we got. You know, it's a match we've never had before. You know, we'll, we'll see what goes into it. That's great. I'm excited for it. And you're right. I, I don't know what this means for Mania. Um, as for the match, I, I can understand Owens and Rollins not breaking for each other because that was kind of the whole point. I, I, I think my, my I kind of just kind of took the implication that if one of them wins, you know, they'll basically share the title or they'll put it up against each other. Something like that. I, I was fine with that. I, I thought that made no. sense. Um, yeah, other than going in the crowd, I really enjoyed the match. Um, even the crowd stuff was good, but just the, the awkwardness of it all. So it was a good match. Glad Biggie was not the one to get pinned, which should have been the case of day one. Um, but again, Heyman said Biggie would have won if not for Lesnar. And that clearly is not true. Um, I, I'm glad they did this match the next day. They gave us what they were going to give anyway. Imagine this is probably what that match was going to look like. Probably. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so it was good. It was, and, um, and there's a good, good chance to your point that that was the finish of the match. Lashley beating Kevin Owens and Biggie losing mm-hmm. the title. That was, that was like, like the, I think I had Biggie pinning, but that was basically it. Yeah. It's, it's very possible. And you're right. Look, they better reinforce the ring posts. Okay. Because there is going to be a lot of beef out there at the Royal Rumble. There's a lot of beef out here. But at the same time, it's just like all those points you made. It's like, well, yeah, Heyman said Biggie would have won if it wasn't for Lesnar. Well, Lesnar wasn't in that match and Biggie lost that too, right? Uh, look, I'm I'm very, I think cautiously optimistic is, is the phrase you used. I'm cautiously optimistic at this main event storyline. I'm just saying that this WrestleMania season, which I know technically it's, we're not on the road to WrestleMania yet. That's Royal Rumble and after the Royal Rumble. It's just lacking something right now. Like everything else on this show, there was really nothing to sink your teeth into other than this. And this was very, very predictable. And yes, sometimes predictable things are good. But it's just, I don't know. I came out of the show wanting more, if that makes sense. Yeah, because Brock kind of, when Brock is the champion, he it just kind of floats over everything. And so when he's not involved directly, it doesn't feel as big a deal. Now, ending the show with Brock, you know, commenting on Lashley, that was good. But in the moment... No, no, it would have all- been good. He didn't comment on Lashley. He's All he said was, hey, what do you think about Lashley being number one contender? Well, he goes, yeah. tell Roman Reigns I'll see him Friday night on SmackDown. You're right. And, and, and that, that, that immediately tells me what was the point of watching all this stuff on Raw. It makes everybody feel a tier below. Right. Brock, because 
Brock is always on his own thing when he has the belt. So yeah, it, it just, it kind of, it kind of just hangs over everything when he's not involved. For sure. All right. So let's move on uh, to our second segment here. We still have that WWE mailbag coming up where we will talk about all of this more, by the way, more questions about Big E, the WWE title, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, more of that still to come. But for now, let's go over everything else that happened on Raw in the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Becky Lynch opened hour two of Raw, saying she's the constant in WWE. Many have tried and failed to beat her. Lynch said she's art because she makes fans feel things. She told fans they won't get their New Year's wishes and none of the superstars will beat her. So Liv Morgan came out. She said Becky knows how close she came and that Liv never promised to win the title just to give it 100%. Bianca Belair came out, said she's ready for another shot after stepping aside to give time to others. Lynch told them to decide who wanted the title shot and the faces agreed basically to double team her. They all brawled. Uh, Belair nearly hit the KOD on Liv when Lynch ran in for the manhandle slam. The fans were interested in this and they were standing, but they didn't pop for anything. There was nothing wrong with it, but at the same time, it wasn't noteworthy. And the worst part for me was the booking. Liv was just the challenger. Bianca immediately preceded her. Becky has beaten both of them twice. And yes, I know something happened later. We'll get to that in a moment. We're doing it segment by segment. But this while it wasn't offensive, it also was not good. So in a Becky Lynch segment with two women I like, Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan, I'm actually going bad. Yeah, I was also going to go bad. Some of the lines in this were brutal. This was some really rough mic work. Honestly, from all around, I think Becky was okay. But all the other lines from Liv and Bianca felt so forced and corny. And Liv delivering the line, which is like, I'm harder on myself than anyone, so don't worry about that. Like, I don't know how the crowd is supposed to react to that. And then and Becky says something about the locker room, and, and Liv comes back with, you haven't even been in the locker room. Like, what <laughs> What am I supposed to feel about that? Like, And, and, and Bianca's, Bianca's stuff felt pretty corny, too, again, because she has lost it to Becky. I, yeah, I, I, I this isn't, this wasn't really about, Honestly, it wasn't even about the, the booking or anything. It was just the lines in the delivery I thought were really, really poor. And um, it was a it was a rough watch. I'm giving it a bad. Yeah, it was definitely bad. Was shocking to me. Uh, Dewdrop yelled at Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville backstage about Belair and Morgan still being challengers. She said WWE fans are tired of the same women always getting chances and demanded a title match. Sonia said a triple threat for next week. Belair, Morgan... And do drop with the winner becoming the number one contender, I think, for Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. Now, this was obviously better, and I'm actually going to grade it good because it was by far the best promo do drops cut in her main roster run. Like, legitimately by a mile, it felt completely real. Nothing was stumbled over. It made storyline sense for her to feel that way as another women's wrestler on the brand. But do drop has no claim either. She lost three times to Bianca Belair twice by pinfall. So she has no business being in a number one contendership, let alone getting a title match. And that is the problem with WWE booking. They could have given her one win against Belair, at least even by cheating to create some reason for her to say, hey, well, you know, I did beat Bianca Belair as part of that feud. 
I deserve a chance as well. Instead, she lost three times, once by countout, and now she's just thrown into a number one contendership for really no good reason whatsoever. But I still thought the segment was good. Yeah, I'm also giving it, giving it a good. That was a good promo. That 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 was so that was so much better than what we had seen earlier in the day. Every time I see Dewdrop, whether it's a promo, whether it's in the ring, I just want to see more of her. She's she's interesting. She's engaging. Um, she's different. Uh, so I'm definitely giving this a good. I, I'm really liking. Even though she's losing those matches, she's I, again. You can look better coming out of a loss. And I think that three losses was a lot, but I do think Drewdrop was definitely elevated by that bit. Um, she so, was, but she yeah, wasn't I'm, elevated into a, a kayfabe situation where she's deserving of a number one. No, but she was she was elevated into somebody worth taking seriously. That's why I think you could have had her just beat somebody real quick and then yes, essentially right. cut that promo and then say I should be in there. Well, yeah. that's the other problem here because these three women right now, as of today, are literally the only women available to challenge for Becky Lynch's title. Tamina and Dana Brooke are both in the 24-7 picture. Now, yes, they could have given like do drop a match with Tamina. They're both heels, whatever. They didn't do it. Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, Queen Zelina, and Carmella, they're all in the women's tag team title picture. Maurice and Beth Phoenix are in that feud that's going on. And Alexa Bliss is not on television right now. So there are literally no other women on Raw that could challenge. For Becky Lynch, the only thing they could do is break up a tag team or treat tag teams as pairs of singles, which they actually are, and allow Rhea Ripley to take a step out or Nikki Ash, even though she's been getting killed um, booking wise, to take a step out and go challenge for the title. So while I am angry and worried that they're planning to basically restart the Bel Air storyline and stretch it from now three more months all the way to WrestleMania, they don't have any other choice because their roster is so thin. They really need to separate Rhea Ripley back into singles or do something like bring Asuka back for the Royal Rumble and have her win it or you know something along those lines. The women's division is just so thin on both brands. And as I said, dude, they fired too many people. Asuka out. Bailey still out. Alexa Bliss, we're going to talk about her in a moment, but she's still out as of right now. They need all three of them back badly. Yes. And yeah, this is what we talked about at the beginning of the show where you run out of so many people where you uh, have trouble filling it all in and having it all make sense. The 24-7 title being a tag team title right now makes no sense. The women's tag titles, I get, but there's nobody else to contend for them. Do we really need those right now? The, 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 the women's roster especially is so thin that I don't even know if something like the tag team belts are helping. Um, it might even be a better to do like a AEW situation where you just have a secondary women's singles title, you know, with the TBS title that they're doing. So yeah, it's, it's tough and we're probably gonna have to deal with more of this where people who don't really make sense to belong in, in something are there and it's tough, but they did this to themselves. They absolutely did. Uh, Miz and Maurice recounted day one and what happened on Raw last week. Miz said Edge was pathetic for letting Beth Phoenix fight his battles. Maurice said she'd punch her in the face if she was there. So obviously Beth and Edge made their dual entrances, got a huge pop. It was actually a really awesome entrance, seeing them together do the pose together. Uh, Beth stuck her chin out. Maurice did nothing. 
Edge said Miz should have moved on, but he knew that he wouldn't. Edge reminded Miz that he picked the fight. Then he put his arm around Beth and made a mixed match challenge at the Royal Rumble, the Grit Couple versus the It Couple, which is, by the way, pretty funny name and funny way to sell it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Miz accepted. Maurice argued and nearly, nearly got popped. And then the whole thing kind of just fizzled out. We all knew this was coming, obviously. I've been saying for weeks, my only desire was for it to be at the Royal Rumble and not at WrestleMania. Well, guess what? It's at the Royal Rumble and not at WrestleMania. That's good. The segment was fine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it made sense. Um, I, I think it would have made a little bit more sense again if Miz had won a day one via cheating, but as Ed, Edge needed some wins. Sure. I, I liked how Maurice didn't want to do this. Um, you know, I, I'm, I wonder if they'll bring up the Cena Nikki Bella match from a few years ago. Maybe not because Cena proposed to Nikki Bella afterward and that didn't work out. Yeah. I don't but, think they're bringing that up. Yeah. But, um, there's clearly some history Miz could bring up and say, we've been a tag team before, yada, yada. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, no, this was fine. It was good. By the way, talk about like, they always say, you know, jokingly that wrestling weddings are cursed. They, <laughs> I kind of forgot that he proposed to her, her at WrestleMania and they didn't even get married. Like that's, that's wild that that happened when you really think back yeah. on that. Okay. Uh, RK bro fought Alpha Academy in a non-title match. Riddle backstage dressed like a rapper. Orton no-sold the whole thing. They did M&M jokes. It got a smirk from me. It wasn't that funny, but, you know, whatever. They're good together. Chad Gable got another opportunity to cut a decent promo. He crawled under the ring to pull Orton down off the apron, prevent a tag. Otis then countered Riddle's RKO attempt into the world's strongest slam for the upset win. This wasn't enough. Like, it wasn't long enough for my liking. But the booking actually made sense because they took Orton out of the match and Riddle got distracted. Like the whole thing did work. And I love that they're actually pushing Alpha Academy. Now, I believe the reason why they're doing that is because the other tag teams are otherwise busy, but they're pushing them. I, it would be great if it was a Royal Rumble match. I kind of feel like RK Bro, Riddle and Orton are both really needed for the Royal Rumble match itself. So maybe what they do is they do a title match on the go home show. And then both those guys are actually in the Rumble, but no matter how they book it, I thought this was good. Good enough, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I give it a good. And once again, we got to have Gable on the mic. And it wasn't as forced as last week when they seemed to be stretching for filling time. When Gable starts talking about his master's degree in his 4.0 and they boo him, he says, he goes, don't boo education. That's gross. He really yeah. felt like Kurt Angle here. He did. Yep. It, 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 it felt like that old kind of smarmy Kurt Angle, don't boo me, I'm awesome type of stuff. So I'm glad he got that moment. Uh, I'm glad he got some more time in the mic. Glad Otis got a win and, and they got to to do this. I like what they're doing with Alpha Academy. They're, they're starting to make them look a bit more legitimate, get some of these wins. I don't think they're going to win the titles, but this was fun. This was good. It was, it was. We had uh, AJ Styles versus Omas. There was actually a great video package for this match. As far as the match, Omos dominated. Styles hung him up on the ropes, but Omos countered a phenomenal forearm with a slap to the chest. Omos flung Styles in the air, hit his choke powerbomb, and won in four minutes. I am not sure how this could have been worse. I also am not sure how it could have been better. I, I, I don't know how else you book this. The idea of Styles getting squashed is stupid, but it's Omos's first like real singles match against someone 
and you want him to look strong because he's a monster. So they just kind of booked themselves into a corner. I'll say bad just because it wasn't good and it wasn't ugly, but I have no belief, Chris, that Omas is going to work long-term. Also, if I'm WWE, I'm keeping Styles off television for two reasons. One, to sell it. Two, because I want to distance him from Omas as much as possible. I would return him in the Royal, give him three weeks off, return him in the Royal Rumble, and treat him as someone that goes to the final four and elevate him back into being an upper mid-card main eventer as a singles wrestler because you need him in that role. That's what I would do. So I'm saying bad here. I agree. The video package was great, but it was also like way earlier in the show in between like one of those entrance commercial break video package entrance type of things. But the video package and yeah. the, the video package and the match were completely separate, like not even close to each other on the show. Had they put them together, I think I would have been a little bit more excited when the match started. It just kind of felt like, all right, now it's time for this match. And it happens. I agree. It didn't feel like something where they're going to keep doing this. It felt like something where they're just going to end this now. It better. It better be over. It really needs to. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's too bad. Again, I've said for a while, I think they really kind of dropped the ball on what they could have been. And to Omas's detriment. And now he's going to have to be out there swimming on his own with not much foundation foundation in his character set. So I don't know what's going to happen next for anybody here. But, you know, AJ is going to be fine. And AJ is a guy you can throw in a main event anytime. So, yeah, this kind of felt like the end. I, I'm going to give it a bad because the match was kind of whatever. Um, yeah. If they, I just want to say one last thing and we'll move on. I, I know that reportedly one of the reasons they fired Braun Strowman was because his salary, his contract was astronomical, apparently. Apparently he was a great negotiator. But if playing into that was WWE thinking, well, we have other monsters in Omas and Aziz, they completely miscalculated that because yes. neither of the, those guys are like, uh, Omas is probably maybe 25% of what Strowman can be. Aziz, Aziz is 0%. Uh, and combined, they're like 10% of Braun Strowman. They're, they are nowhere near what Braun Strowman is capable of doing. And if I'm WWE and I want an injection of life into my product, which they need, I call Braun Strowman and I say, dude, we want you to return to the Royal Rumble. We want to hire you back because they they need a guy like that who can get over, who can be super popular, throw him on SmackDown. They need a baby face. Hell, I got to say, I don't want Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Trust me at WrestleMania. I definitely don't. But a returning heroic Braun Strowman as a super over face, which you know he can, they can get him over with the crowd with the snap of their fingers. That is a compelling addition back to your roster. I, you know, look, I don't want anyone to lose their jobs. Omas, I think, has a role as like a muscle manager, you know, not a manager, muscle type of dude, heavy. Um, but it's not, he's not going to be a singles wrestler in WWE. And Aziz certainly is not going to be. Yeah, I'm still high on Omas's potential. I just, I think they squandered a lot of it and didn't put him in situations to build. Um, but you're right. I mean, bringing back Braun Strowman would instantly bring a, a, a life back into something. Honestly, they could use him on SmackDown, which we'll get into because there's nobody over there. Right. But yeah, I, I, I think if you, if you feel like you need a big monster guy, they should bring him back. They absolutely should. And, and I think he's someone where the bridge hopefully isn't burnt. I mean, they took him from nothing and made him a pretty big star and he is not really doing anything except 
maybe making occasional impact appearances. I he's think. changing. He's changing the narrative with EC3. Yeah, I mean, you can get him out of whatever he's currently doing, uh, and I would if I was WWE. That that's a move they need to make. Omos, I, I agree with you. Look, there is. They could possibly make it work with like MVP or Malcolm Bivens bringing him up from NXT as a manager of Omos who like sicks him on other people or creates a storyline where he becomes like Andre the Giant was to Ted DiBiase, something like that. He's usable. He can be utilized in WWE, yes. but he's not going to be a champion. He's not someone where Braun Strowman, you said, yeah, I could see him holding the title one day. I do not see that in any way with Omos. Yeah. All right. I think it's fair. Cool. Uh, United States Championship was on the line. Damian Priest against Dolph Ziggler. This was a rematch. The champion's advantage of DQ and countout was removed for Priest as a stipulation. Ziggler hit a tornado DDT outside. He ran Priest through the turnbuckles and hit a running knee for a near fall. Priest hit a cliffhanger DDT for a 2.5. Robert Roode ran him to trip Priest off the top rope. Ziggler hit a Famouser for a 2.8. Then Damian came out because he was pissed. So he killed Roode outside, grabbed the chair, he was getting counted out. Count got to nine. He rolled back in the ring. Ziggler begged him to use the chair. So Priest turned around and threw it at Rude, knocking him off the ring apron. Ziggler caught him from behind with a zigzag for a 2.9 false finish. Then Damien countered the super kick into the reckoning for the win in nine minutes and 40 seconds, including a commercial break. There was a decent reaction to this. It was probably the best reaction Priest gotten in like two months at this point. The stipulation was the first time the gimmick came off okay because, again, this is not something they can keep doing. You can't have every single match where that's the stipulation. But here, because it was the stipulation, they ensured we weren't going to get a countout or disqualification. If the point here is that Priest is learning to get Damien under control, that could work. But that's a story they need to be telling. They needed to tell it on commentary, and they didn't. And he also didn't tell it because... You didn't see him like gather himself or get his head right. None of that happened. Maybe they will keep going forward. Probably not. I'm still very uh, bearish on this character. I don't think it's going to work, but this was good enough. They they cheered Damian Priest when he won because it was a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is the guy we liked cheering for. And he kind of did a good guy thing. But the whole, the whole, two sides gimmick remains incredibly stupid and still pretty heelish as the thing. So like, just drop this. Like, like he tried to explain it again with the promo and it's like, can you control it or not? And if you can, does that make you a heel? I, I just go back to what he was doing before. Like we liked him before. I don't understand why they had to do something so goofy like this. It's a, it's a step forward slightly. I guess I'll give it a good, but you don't, you don't have to agree with me. You can say bad. It seems like you're like, saying I didn't that. hate it. Like, it, like everything they built up made sense for this. I just don't know how this is a long-term gimmick. That's the like, thing I'm grading in the moment, in the moment. This is the yeah. segment I got on raw Monday night was good. Yeah. You just, going you forward. I don't see how it's going to be, but you can't do this. This is literally the, that's the whole story. That's the whole story with the gimmick. That's right. all you can do. Right. So we'll see. Well, you can do one more thing. You, the only other thing you can do is where it costs him the title. But again, that's but that's not but that's not like a face thing. No, it's like, of course that, not. That's why it's a weird tweener thing. And like, just let let him do cool stuff and let people root for him. I don't know why they changed this. Yeah, they, they um, figured out a way to take 
this guy Punishment Martinez, who did not work, in my opinion, in Ring of Honor. They brought him to NXT. They gave him a new gimmick. They repackaged him. It worked. They brought him up to the main roster. They paired him with Bad Bunny and had a WrestleMania match. It worked. He, they made him United States champion. It was still working. Everything was going well. And then for no reason, they just changed the gimmick. I, I yeah, can't I, even explain it. It's just wild. The, the gimmick's still bad, but I'll give this segment itself a good. All right. Austin Theory interrupted Vince McMahon while he was on the phone backstage. Theory said he's sorry. McMahon said apologizing is a weakness. Vince said he was proud of Theory for attacking Finn Balor after losing the match because he found another way to win. McMahon surprised Theory with a spot in the Rumble. And my only takeaway here really is you could hear both of them loudly. The segment made sense. It looked like it was pre-taped. Uh, so they had some different camera angles. That was kind of cool. That's all a very low bar. But I still think there's something to chew on with the Theory McMahon deal. And it's clearly elevating Theory by working with Vince. So I'm going to stay with good here. Yeah, it, it's one of those like non-offensive goods. It was fine. It's not a big thing. It's quick. Yeah, it was good. All right. WWE aired a short video package recounting Alexa Bliss throwing a fit at Extreme Rules after she lost to Charlotte Flair and noting that her journey back to Raw would begin next week. So I presume they're going to do a few weeks of like videos before she actually shows up. I don't like pre-announcing returns when people are out this long, especially when they could have done a surprise return at the Royal Rumble. I do like that they're following through with the storyline and they're not just like forgetting it and starting over and doing something else. I'd have preferred a little bit of a tease. Like, do you remember when the Firefly Funhouse was about to start and we just saw the, um, it wasn't a crow, what's that thing called? The buzzard in the box for like a couple mm-hmm. of weeks and you're like, what the hell is this? Looks like This looks like the stupidest thing ever. And then it ended up being incredible. I'd have preferred like a couple of teases, whether it's Lily or whether it's Alexa Bliss's old logo flashing on screen or whatever the case, that makes us wonder what it means, what they're doing, when she's coming back instead of just like a straight announcement. But I'm going to hold off judgment until I see it because we haven't seen anything yet. So Alexa Bliss coming back, that is a good thing. Um, Them kind of telling us she's coming back, not a huge fan of it. I'll stay with good just because, I mean, you can't even grade. This is just an announcement. Yeah, there's nothing really great. I'm I'm not a fan of announcing it. And I'm I'm assuming we're going to get a video package next week and we're going to get a... Uh, a series of video. Hopefully we get three video packages and she returns at the Royal Rumble for a pop. It feels like that. It feels like that's what we're getting. Uh, Basically they're pre-announcing that they're going to give us a series of vignettes. So while I'm normally like, don't tell us she's coming back. If they're just giving us a vignette, I don't mind spoiling it because there's nothing really to spoil, I guess. We'll see. We're going to have to see and find out what they do. I mean, if she's back next week, then I'm going to be real pissed that they did this. But it feels like they're going to show us the journey. I'm assuming it's going to be some new-ish, but adapted kind of character, considering considering show us when we last saw her. It feels like they're going to build off of that in some new direction. So I'm definitely curious. I hope they do, yeah. I'm definitely curious to see where she goes next. Because I thought she did a good job in that. As much as, uh, as tough of a gimmick as it was, she did good work. Um, And I I have full faith that she'll be able to make work whatever she does next. It certainly should not be the character that she left as. It has to, even if you keep elements of it, it has to move forward in some way. I don't know what that way is going to be, but they got to do something different with her 
than just fiend adjacent women woman character, which is basically what she was. Yes. Um, now, the last part of the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all I'm grouping it all together. Okay, there were less than ten minutes of wrestling during the first hour of Raw, and less than fourteen minutes of wrestling during the first ninety minutes. This is a sequence that actually happened on Raw Monday night. They did a 24-7 mixed tag team match. Two people were already in the ring. Two made an entrance. Raw, then, while they were all in the ring, previewed upcoming matches, then went to commercial. They're all still in the (laughs) ring. We come back from commercial. We get a match that goes a minute and 20 seconds. Then they go to commercial again. They come back. Becky Lynch makes an entrance. Then they go to commercial again. We got three entrances and a minute, 20 second match that was horrible, by the way, between three commercial breaks. You can't even make the argument that the goal is to keep people watching because no one is going to stay tuned for the 24-7 title picture, literally the worst thing on the card. It was so maddening that I want to just group this whole thing together because all three of these matches that I'm about to talk about were ugly. There's no parsing it. There's no, well, okay, it was short, but no, no, no. They were all completely ugly. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. Block at zero. I am pissed off. I'm pissed to the highest level of pissivity. It's got about as much chance of getting over as Orange Cassidy. Because there's no way, Chris, that a match that lasts less than two minutes can be anything else than ugly unless it's a squash. WWE acts like wrestling is a burden it has to include in its show filled with video packages. We want to see people perform and entertain us with their athleticism. It's literally sports entertainment. WWE coined the fucking term, yet they're actively and purposefully ignoring the sports part of it. It would be one thing if this was like a go-home show and you need time to tell stories for a pay-per-view. There's four full weeks until the Royal Rumble. Instead of giving us three matches that are all less than two minutes, just give us one 10-minute match or even one eight-minute match instead of this absolute shit. I'm going to read these three matches. You can respond to my first comment. You can respond to the individual matches. You can talk about whatever you want. We had a women's tag team title match. Queen Zelina and Carmella against Super Brutality. Mella put on a black mask with studs, made her look like she was into BDSM or something like that. Zelina caught Nikki and folded her over for the win in a minute and 35 seconds. Ripley had started the match, but she basically didn't wrestle. The general storyline with Nikki losing being a weak link is fine, but the minute 35, offensive and pathetic. We had the Street Profits against Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. The Profits came out in mock like Gamecocks jerseys. Earlier backstage, they officially entered the Rumble. The Mysterios also entered the Rumble. Angelo Dawkins ran Aziz into the ring post. Then they hit the anointment and a frog splash. The frog splash was sick. It got crazy air. But they did that on Apollo for the win in a minute and 50 seconds. And then the 24-7 match I was talking about, Dana Brooke and Reggie against Tamina and Akira Tozawa. Dana did a springboard handstand on the ring apron. Reggie was supposed to dive through her legs for like the entrance, you know, when they made their entrance. But she fell and they didn't do it. It would have looked cool. Tozawa accidentally hit Tamina, who hit him back. And then Reggie hit one move, his flipping seated senton for a win in one minute and 20 seconds. And everything about this segment was fucking terrible. This has no business being on national television. It will be 
a 0.0 moment of the year finalist 361 days from now. That's it. That's my rant. Do you have anything to say about the matches individually or just the general thesis that I just brought you? This is the thing I pointed out a few weeks back and it's clearly become the norm. It happens almost the entire show, which is entrance, commercial, video package, entrance, maybe commercial, then wrestling. I don't, what I want to know with all this is the, like, what the heck is going on with the live crowd during all this? Like, they're seeing they're getting, nothing. They're bored. Like, like, if you go to a show, like, you know, you'll sometimes get if uh, commercials on the board during the show, but if you're not doing any wrestling during the commercial break, it's got to be so boring. Like, they're, it's not even that they're like, oh, we don't want to show the wrestling on TV. We'll do it over commercial. They're not doing wrestling through the commercials either. They're doing all these one-minute matches. It's like, why are you even going through all this effort to not do a wrestling match? Just do the wrestling, man. Like, there's no way all of this entrance video package, whatever, there's no way that is helping the ratings any more than just doing actual wrestling. I it, It's baffling how how this is quickly stretched to every part of the show. And it's like, holy crap, man, what, what's even the point if you're going to have the Street Profits do a one minute match like you can't come up with it. You can't just do some sort of goofy segment. Don't even waste time with entrances and matches. Right. And pretend you're going to do wrestling. Do backstage storylines if you need to. D- don't give us yeah. re- don't give us wrestling in that case. Like the entrances are taking twice as long as the entire match. And how, that's not how I- can you not have Montez Ford? You have this guy. And, and Angelo Dawkins, by the way, is awesome, too. We always yes. talk about how Ford, how Ford is great. Dawkins is massively underrated. How do you have these guys in a match and not let them go? Let them just do cool shit. Look at the pay-per-view. Look how good the match was with RK Bro. And you have them for a... You say, hey, let's give them a minute 50 instead of letting them go for six minutes or eight minutes at a minimum. Yeah. Do you have anything it's else an, about any of these insulting. that you it's, want to talk about? It's not particularly because there's not much... I mean, the 24-7 title being a... Tag team, like, I, the, it should be all. Nothing it should, they got to they end it. They, they have to get rid of it. There's nothing to say about the matches. I just, I can't, it's so insulting to the people who are in your crowd to not give them anything over three plus hours. It, it's, it's, it, I cannot believe, maybe I could go to a SmackDown show, but for some reason, Raw is the only show that comes to like Miami, which is my closest, uh, I mean, I, I have two arenas nearby, one they never go to. And when they do, it's for a house show. The other one, it's always in um, the Miami arena, which has changed names a million times. And it's always raw. I cannot imagine sitting through a three hour raw these days because nothing happens. You're just sitting in the crowd waiting. And we wonder why sometimes the crowds are dead. It's because they're sitting around watching nothing for like stretches of 10, 15 minutes. They're seeing entrances and people stand around and watching video packages and commercials, then the match starts and they get two minutes. Like, how is that a value for your ticket? It's It can't be. I would go without even thinking twice to a WWE pay-per-view. I'd go to a Dynamite. I'd go to NXT. I would. I still haven't actually done that. I would like to. It's not that far from me. Um, and maybe I'd go to a SmackDown. I could probably go to a SmackDown. But I could not see any scenario in which you could get me to go to a Raw. No, it would have when, to be like they, a Legends Night or yeah. something like that. When, when, when they came back, um, you know, that first weekend in Texas, they had the SmackDown that Friday in Houston, the Money in the Bank in Fort Worth, and the Raw in Dallas. And I did not want to go to the Raw. 
And the Raw ended up sucking. And that was when Goldberg made his, made his return to fight Lashley. And I'm glad I didn't go. Pay-per-view is great. I would still go to a SmackDown, even though it's not as good as it used to be. I went to the Dynamite that was here a little bit ago. I think SmackDown's coming back here pretty soon. I'm probably not going to go, though. But yeah, I would I would just, I would would just not go to a Raw. I would not buy a ticket to a Raw. Yeah, I just, I don't know how you could go at this point. Um, especially during football season. In the offseason, I don't know, maybe. But like, my arena is probably with traffic, with all the problems getting down there, you know, it's probably an hour 10 from where I live, hour 20. I'm not making that drive to then sit on my hands for three hours. Like, oh my God, I just can't even imagine it. So WWE, they get into this. We talked about it, I think on last week's show. They get into the zone sometimes where they try new things and they realize it doesn't work. They did the two of three falls and all the restart matches because they didn't want wrestling to happen during commercial breaks. Now, rather than do that, they just do two-minute matches so wrestling doesn't happen during commercial breaks. This cannot it's, continue. Hopefully, it's a phase that they get out of. But man, they need to get out of it soon because the product that's already, you know, deserves a ton of criticism. When you have three matches that last less than two minutes on a single show, there is no way that can be anything but ugly. Very simple. I already played the sound drops. Do I have any left? Uh, here, yeah. I don't give a damn what you people. That's the problem. That's the problem. You don't give a damn. My problem is I care too much. Yep, that is exactly the problem. We also got a little MVP in there as well. Chris, that is the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. As promised, we have a WWE mailbag. We wanted to fill up this episode with some more stuff. And also, look, the truth is, I've done a very poor job getting to our DMs and tweets from our listeners recently. We've been very busy. Holiday season, special episodes, pay-per-view previews. We haven't had time in the episodes. We have a little bit of time now. So we got a bunch of DMs and tweets. Uh, I'm trying to read almost all of them, um, but some were repetitive and others didn't really ask questions. Uh, they just kind of said, great show, which I appreciate, but you know, I'm not just going to read those on the show. So uh, Camp Calhoun at Camp Calhoun, he said, book the damn territory. What the hell happens with Reigns between now and Mania? So you're asking me to book, not predict which is good because I'm just want to tell you what I would do. If I was booking this month, and, and by the way, one thing I did not get to mention here, let me, sorry, pause. Uh, it's being reported that the Drew McIntyre storyline at day one, we mentioned this, I think, on the uh, instant analysis, that he needs to get some injuries looked at and they don't know how long he's going to be out. They think it's only going to be weeks, but he has to get evaluated and do a bunch of tests before they know. So I'm going to book the first part of this as if Drew McIntyre is not available until, let's say, March. Okay. Anyway, um, I'd go immediately right now back to the King Woods feud because he never got a clean title match. He and New Day are still over as hell. It's easy to restart the storyline. He gets a huge reaction from fans and he can easily be built as a secondary Royal Rumble world title challenger match with because Lesnar Lashley is such a huge match for the WWE championship. So Roman Reigns does not need a, let's say, top tier opponent or someone who is actually in danger of taking the title from him because there's no one else really on the brand right now that can do it. We've talked about how weak their singles division is. Well, Lesnar is now basically a raw superstar, it kind of seems. And unless maybe they do something that completely surprises us and puts him in two matches at the Royal Rumble. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, unless they did Reigns-Lesnar 
uh, the main event and, and Lesnar Lashley to open the show. I mean, maybe that's possible, but who the hell knows? Um, the only other options they really have right now on SmackDown are taking the IC title off Nakamura and building him up, but his gimmick is too fun and not serious. And the only other option right now is Ricochet, who looked good in the gauntlet and they could continue some momentum, but I have no belief they would do that. So if I was booking the territory, I would go back to the King Woods feud. I would use that for the Royal Rumble. I would probably do a multi-man match of some kind, or actually, you know what I would do? I would have Reigns not wrestle at whatever the February pay-per-view is, and I would do the um, Elimination Chamber match, including a bunch of other SmackDown superstars in that. And then for WrestleMania, I would book Big E to win the Royal Rumble and fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. That's what I would do. Well, we we looked this up after the instant analysis. At the moment, they only have... um between the rumble and uh between the rumble and mania they only have two events um, or one event one event I'm sorry. one event and it's yeah. probably a, a, a saudi show that's what i'm saying yeah so yeah i i i like i would be fine with i think i'd be okay with if drew is okay and if he comes back you know my my the thing i'd said for a while was he wins the rumble faces Roman, he's the one to take the belt off of Roman. Now I'm wondering kind of what you said. You do King Woods versus Roman at the Rumble. Biggie wins the Rumble. There's a beatdown of King Woods after the match. The Usos get involved. Biggie's going to defend King Woods and he chooses Roman as the one he wants to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you could do that or you could, or, or he doesn't win the rumble, but th- they feud and you set it up where I think I said this on Saturday too, which was the bloodline versus the new day at day one of mania. If the new day wins, they get title shots the next day uh, on day two of the show. And that's how you get biggie, biggie versus Roman and new day versus, uh, Usos. You could also do the bloodline, um, versus new day match at whatever the February show is. Then yeah. put the tag team title match on night one and Biggie and Roman Reigns in night two. There's two yeah. people really that I can think of that should or could beat Roman Reigns for the title. Biggie and Drew McIntyre. I mean, I'd love for there to be other names in there, like a Finn Balor or a Kevin Owens. That would make sense to mm-hmm. me. But I, I don't see it. I think there's those are the only two that could and or should beat him for the title. Lesnar, of course, is the other. I don't want that at all. Correct. And that's why the whole idea of like Roman drops the title to Lashley and then he goes back to Roman. Uh, Brock drops the title. Yeah. Brock drops the title. Lashley goes back to Roman. I don't, I don't hate it, but I don't want Brock to be the guy to take the title off of Roman. It well, does not need to happen. I would all. hate that Adam because Mando. I would hate that because number one, that would happen. Brock taking the title off Roman, which you're saying it would also make Lashley the WWE champion, which he just was. And then the idea would have to be Biggie being the challenger for that. So then you're getting Biggie and Lashley again, which we already saw and he already beat him twice. Yeah. So it would be worse for both. So, you know, no one getting COVID is a blessing in disguise. Certainly not Roman Reigns, who's immunocompromised and obviously has successfully defeated leukemia twice. But from a booking standpoint, this does give WWE an opportunity to refresh things. And if they did end up going with, I don't even know who Lesnar would fight, but Lesnar and Finn Balor or AJ Styles 
in one match and Roman Reigns and Big E in another, that is a way better and more exciting booking for WrestleMania than Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar for the 80th time. Yeah, I, I mean, do you think, I mean, do you think Biggie, Ro, Biggie Brock is at Mania's most likely now? Biggie Reigns? Of all the, of all the Brock, no, of all the Brock opponents, if he's the champ. I think if Biggie gets the number one contendership, it's more likely he fights Reigns than Lesnar. So who is Brock going to fight, though? That You're assuming he retains the title. If he retains, yeah. Uh, Finn Balor. AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, think, a, multi, a, a, a multi-man match? It might have to be a multi-man match, but I'm just trying to think, like, are any of those something like Vince would make a main event of one night? He may not make Styles, a main event of one night. Well, but. one of the women's matches can main event. Becky yeah. Becky versus Bianca Belair would main event one night. Right, right but I'm just trying to think, happened. like, Brock matches. I mean, he's done some Seth stuff. Don't forget, Brock Ooh. opened WrestleMania with Seth Rollins a couple years ago. Yes, right. So... But also Brock was a heel then. I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Like, there was a lot of ways. It could be Rollins. It could be Rollins heel Lesnar face with Lesnar winning, which would be a reverse of what they did previously. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways it can go now. I think you're right. I'm more excited to not get Brock Roman at Mania. Um, The possibility. There's now a possibility of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's exciting to, to not know for sure what's going to happen. Yeah, it is. It, I, it is exciting. I will agree with that. Uh, Jonathan P at Johnny five alive seven J O N N Y five alive seven is Biggie as over as a face as we all want him to be. He doesn't seem to really get the big pops that you see for other people. I think he could do it with a better entrance and music. So the answer to your question is no, he's not as over as we want him to be or think he should be. Um, but it's not his fault. Booking has been suspect. He lost seven different times since winning the WWE Championship. And he lost the title and got pinned in that match for no reason when Owens could have been pinned, for example. He was treated, as far as I'm concerned, as the least important guy in that title feud. And that was before Lesnar even got added to the match. His promo Monday, as we talked about on this show, is great. It was a good step in the right direction. But I have no issue with his entrance or his music. I think the music is zick. Um, the theme and the graphics, I have no way issue with the way he's presented. Maybe give him some pyro to amp it up a little bit, you know, show off that strength. But, you know, it's really the booking. If they book him better, he will be over. I have no doubt about it. Look at the reaction he got at Money in the Bank. That is what you can get from Biggie. They just haven't booked him well enough. Yeah, I mean, he might be the kind of guy where it's always better as the chase than than the one who's being chased once once he became champion he was in almost no interesting storylines mm-hmm. whatsoever the the most interesting stuff was probably the new day bloodline stuff that they did uh but as champion because there's just not a lot of star power especially on raw there there's no one other than roman he could go up against where it feels like a massive massive gotta see it type of deal he i mean he could go up against brock now but um, yeah, he, he's that, you know, he was a great face of the company guy. One of the best they've ever had in, in recent history. The guy can go on all the shows. He can be in the box. He can be at the boxing fights. He can be on college game day and the various college football shows. He was absolutely, he is an absolute top tier ambassador for the company, but booked as a champion. He wasn't right. He, he he just didn't feel like as big of a deal. He didn't get any big pay-per-view wins. I don't know if he had any pay-per-view wins. No. Um, 
And and so that was the problem. And so you got it. You know, people were behind him as he was chasing. And that's if you're going to make him champion again, you got to build that back up. You got to get people invested in the chase and not just think it's I didn't care when he was champion last time. I'm not going to care this time. So they have to put a story around it. You know, like 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 you can't just do Kofi Mania, but Kofi Mania was an example of something that that got everybody involved. And that's the kind of thing you need for face champions. I mean, Drew was way over right before he won the belt. He never really got to hold it in front of fans, but they got to work on some stuff with him get to get him more over. As for the entrance, I agree. He does not get that big of a pop for the entrance. I don't know if it's a song. I don't know what, but Kevin Owens gets bigger pops, even well, his still as, as a heel. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's, you know, those first few notes. I don't I don't think Biggie's theme is bad. I think it's got a good opening, too. It's just I don't know. It's just it's not hitting with everybody. You just it's I think the the entrance is it's not a bad entrance at all. It's a good Wale song. It's you just you got to get the guy over in booking where when you hear the mm-hmm. music, the fans get excited. The fans mm-hmm. are happy for the Biggie's coming out because they like him. But they don't feel the rush of like, oh, my God, something important is going to happen. When Ke- Kevin mm-hmm. Owens comes out, something it fe- always feels like something important is going to happen. He comes out. He's manic. Sometimes he yells. He's, you know, like it, it's that whole deal. And maybe with um, Big E, they add some pyro and, and they can amp it up a little bit. But I don't know that the entrance is the entrance is not holding him back. The booking is holding him back. No, like like I made that comment when I went to Winter is Coming in MJF's music hit. Like everybody stood up, right? Like that's that's a star right there, and they just kind of they got it. They still got to get Biggie to that point. And by the way, I didn't want to steal the thunder from Eric Goldfader at EG Movie Man. He he basically asked us the same question: If Biggie wins the Royal Rumble and chooses Reigns, where does that leave the WWE title picture going into Mania? So I didn't. Yeah, wanna, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't want to gloss over that because we basically answered it already. But I really believe Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins. Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley is certainly somewhere involved in there. There's a there's plenty of people on Raw to choose someone. Unlike SmackDown, where there's nobody. That's the difference between the two. It's just like, you know, WrestleMania is usually supposed to be a crowning moment. So someone's gonna take down Roman. If is someone if it, they it, have and someone <laughs> and someone yeah, and someone takes down Brock is a great storyline as well. But Brock's a face right now. And, well, and so, think, yeah. yeah, so that's why I'm, I'm, you know, that's why I'm really curious to see where it goes, because you could see, hey, Finn Balor takes down Brock Lesnar, you know, David Goliath. Great story. Boom. It's right there. So but I don't think we're not there yet. We're not anywhere close to being in a position for that to happen. So they have time. They've got three months still. So. Three months. They have three full months. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, after, so, and then after the rumble, they have two full months. So yeah, but anytime. But again, that that's a, just because we don't know. That's that's still exciting. That that means it could go a lot of different ways. Could be good. Could be bad. We we, we just don't know yet. Uh, last question from Jordan Ray Hart at Jordan L Ray. Who are some surprise entrants you could see entering the Royal Rumble this year, men or women? Could there be NXT call ups, legends, or anyone else? So really, for the men, no one stands out for me. Like. The worthwhile legends have all been run through and used. Um, you know, sometimes they pull something minor out of their ass, like a Carlito or uh, Hurricane Helms. And I'm not diminishing those guys. I'm just saying they're not top tier stars from back in the day, just notable old names. So maybe there's people like that, right, that they could throw in. Uh, but for the men, I don't have any answer for you. 
for the women, the number one name that could make a huge surprise and massive pop would be Paige. It would be on the level of Edge two years ago. The roof would blow off if Paige showed up. She seemed to have indicated a few months ago that she was trying to get back or she saw that Edge and Christian came back and she, you know, was really into it. And we haven't heard peep from her, no pun intended, um, for a long time. If they could pull that off, if she could legitimately get cleared and be healthy, that would be massive. Otherwise, I don't think we're going to see any women that we haven't seen already in one of these matches in terms of legends. Molly Holly, maybe Alita, Trish Stratus, you know, things like that. They've used them all before. And it's to the point where when they come back now, it doesn't really feel special because they've been used so often. Beth Phoenix is in a tag team match. If the tag team match happens early in the show, maybe I could see her going into the Royal Rumble also. But again, fans will have already seen her. There will be a ton of NXT women. There's only 20 women on the main roster right now and four are hurt and two of them are champions. So there's going to have to be NXT women. That always happens though. That's not going to be a surprise. Bailey seems unlikely due to her injury timeline. Asuka absolutely must be one of those returners if she's healthy and bliss to me seems obvious. So that's my breakdown for the women. Yeah, I, I think you hit it all pretty quick, um, pretty deep. Um, yeah, in terms of legends coming back, I don't know. I mean, and I, I like that I don't know. Like, I want to be surprised <laughs> by them. And even if it's minor people, like when the Godfather comes back or something like that, like, I, I, I want that. That That's that's some of the most fun stuff about the Rumble. But they haven't really done that the last two years. You, well, you know, obviously the Thunderdome the one. Yeah, yeah Thunderdome was part of it. But, but the other one, when Edge came back, he was the bigger turn. There weren't a lot of it. They, they've leaned a lot more heavily onto current talent and NXT yeah, but people than that. The problem is they, their roster was stacked for those. Right. Now That's it's depleted, about so you should lean back on Legends, but you've kind of used all the Legends. So it's like... I mean, I, I could see Braun, Braun Breaker showing up at the Rumble. Not, not that oh, he's yeah, tall, for sure. but just, yeah. yeah, just a guy who shows up but get him face-to-face against somebody. I don't know. Ends like, up in like, the final six or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. For that, sure. Like... I, I like stuff like that. That'd be a great move to do. I, I still, I go back and watch it. I go back and watch that Keith Lee, Brock Lesnar face off, man. Just, man, that was cool. That was so cool. And those are the kinds of things you want. You know, you want these cool face to faces like Undertaker Goldberg that one time. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else in terms of the women. Yeah, like they've done, they've done most of them. You're right about Paige. I think that'd be really cool. I, I think it's possible we get like a, you know, like a, a Bailey or, or an Oscar comeback. Seems most likely, but um, I don't know. I have That's to believe they're holding Oscar out for the Rumble at this point. Yeah, probably. I really, I really believe that. Uh, Bailey, I don't think we'll see. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the mailbag. And that is this uh, WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Uh, you know, hopefully we gave you guys some perspective on what may go down. We're totally speculating, of course, for the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, along with a nice recap of what happened this week on Raw. You know, Raw was unpredictable in terms of like, I didn't know what was going to happen on the show. Usually when that happens, they deliver. I, you know, we talked about one hour was very good. The other two were not. Uh, SmackDown is very similar. Like, like we were talking about, uh, you know, people are hurt on SmackDown. So Drew's not going to be there. Ridge Holland broke his nose. He could probably still appear, but he's hurt. Sasha Banks, I, I'm remiss. I forgot to mention it on the show. She got injured 
during a WWE live event with Charlotte. She tweeted that she's okay. Her being okay, though, doesn't necessarily mean that she's good to go right away. So she could be out. Uh, Brock Lesnar said he's going to be there, which is obviously good. But Roman Reigns, uh, the five-day COVID protocol, I think would just maybe make it okay for him to show up. And even if he does, according to CDC guidelines, he would need to show up in a mask. So there's a good chance that Brock shows up and Roman doesn't. So this SmackDown could be quite depleted, which would again make me hope they put on wrestling matches and let those matches go for a decent amount of time. But nothing's been announced, I don't think, to this point. Oh, by the way, Tony Storm's also gone. So Tony Storm, Sasha Banks, Drew McIntyre, Ridge Holland, Roman Reigns, (laughs) all off an already thin roster. And again, one or two of those may show up, but you know, maybe they're not at 100% or they won't be able to compete, you know? Um, and Jeff Hardy also gone. Was Jeff on Raw or, or uh, SmackDown? He was on SmackDown. He was SmackDown. He's and SmackDown. Jeff Hardy also gone just recently. So <laughs> there's seven people right there that are unavailable slash murky, whatever the case. I have no idea what SmackDown is going to look like Friday night. Um, but we will be back here next Tuesday to break it all down in our latest or next, I should say. WWE edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Between now and then, this Thursday, we will have a full breakdown of the first AEW Dynamite on TBS, along with the AEW Rampage New Year Smash edition and the NXT New Year's Evil special show, which is featuring a match involving Walter and Riddle, which I cannot wait for, and AJ Styles making an appearance, along with a really, really big card that includes Tommaso Ciampa versus Braun Breaker in the main event for the NXT Championship. Of course, I would be remiss. AEW has a massive main event as well. Hangman Adam Page against Brian Danielson for the AEW title. So there's going to be plenty to talk about on this Thursday AEW NXT edition of the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. A reminder for all of you that this show, as always... So please leave those five-star ratings for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I think I forgot in the open to remind you to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. So please follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We will be back Thursday and then again Tuesday for Vintage Chris Manini. This is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, leaving you with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>